hot flashes, vaginal dryness, painful sex, low libido, recurrent urinary tract infections, weight gain, insomnia, orgasm? What orgasm? Menopause is a very special time, and I'm betting you've not gotten a lot of information from your own doctor. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, a clinical professor of obstetrics and gynecology, the medical director of the Northwestern Medicine Center for Sexual Medicine and Menopause, a practicing gynecologist, best-selling author, and a nationally recognized menopause expert. My mantra has always been, if women are given good information, they'll make good choices. And I'm here to give you the inside information on all things menopause. If every man woke up on his 50th birthday and started having all day, all night hot flashes, couldn't think and couldn't function, if his bones started to deteriorate at an alarming rate, if his risk for heart disease dramatically increased, if his penis shrank to the size of a breakfast sausage, and if he was incapable of any sexual activity, he would not be told this is a normal part of aging. He'd be given solutions, lots of them. Yet the 80% of menopausal women who experience symptoms that impede their ability to think, sleep, work, and function sexually, they're expected to put up with those hot flashes, vaginal dryness, weight gain, and insomnia. And for most women, all of this occurs when they're at the prime of their professional lives, the prime of their personal lives. And for some women, these changes can happen even earlier if they enter menopause as a result of maybe cancer treatments or surgery. And those hot flashes, I mean, it's not just that they make you miserable, which would be reason enough to get rid of them, but those hot flashes actually are harmful. Hot flashes are associated with damage to blood vessels, and that can lead to medical problems such as cardiovascular issues or stroke. So we're not just talking about quality of life here. We're talking about length of life. And many women assume that menopause is temporary. And once those hot flashes go away, menopause is officially over. But guess what? Menopause is never over. You do not go through menopause. You enter menopause. And although some symptoms of menopause are temporary, the inability to produce estrogen, that's permanent. You're you're not going to start to produce estrogen again. And even once you're done having hot flashes, that lack of estrogen is going to continue to affect every cell in your body, which is Part of the reason why your post-menopause heart, vagina, bones, brain, and bladder, it's just not the same as when you were 20. And let's face it, it's not just about the impact on your health. I mean, menopause, the very word, I mean, it brings up so many emotions, so many reactions. And for some women, menopause symbolizes the end of fertility, femininity, sexuality, and even their very identity. And that negative connotation, I mean, it's from my point of view, really a shame because in so many ways, menopause actually represents liberation. I mean, think about this. The prehistoric woman experienced only 50 or so menstrual cycles in her lifetime because, you know, she had a shorter lifespan. She was pregnant all the time. And today's women, we have like 450 menstrual periods. I mean, it's exhausting. And the entry into menopause represents a time when a woman's not only at her personal peak and her professional peak, but finally, finally, can finally enjoy life without dealing with PMS, pads, and menstrual cramps. But unlike puberty, when your mother sat you down and explained what to expect with your first period, where to get a pad, how to use a pad, what to do about cramps, it's the rare mother who tells her daughter what to expect from her first half flash, much less what to do about it or even what menopause is. But In fairness to moms everywhere, no one ever explained it to them. So here goes. In the simplest of terms, menopause is when your estrogen tank is on empty. The ovaries have permanently stopped producing estrogen 
or they've been surgically removed. And medically, and you hear this definition a lot, that the arrival of menopause is determined retrospectively when you haven't had a period for 12 months. But it's not like your periods turn off like a faucet. And not to mention, there's plenty of women who haven't used a tampon for years because maybe they've had a hysterectomy or they had an endometrial ablation or an IUD. So if you're in that camp, you might want to listen to my podcast about how you know if you're in menopause, if you're not even getting periods. But the point is, it's not always simple and it's not always obvious. I'm also stating the obvious, but the other thing about being officially in menopause is that you're no longer getting periods, but you're also no longer to get pregnant. And it's not that there are no eggs left. And in fact, a common misconception is that menopause occurs when a woman runs out of eggs. You're born with like a million to two million eggs. I mean, far more than you will ever, ever use. And women lose eggs throughout their life. But by the time menopause occurs, you still have eggs, you know, roughly three to 400 eggs, but they're old eggs. They're useless eggs. So bottom line, there you have it. Menopause means your ovaries are out of business. Now, for most women, this happens in the late 40s or early 50s. In the United States, the average time to enter menopause is 51, 52. But any time between the ages of 40 and 58 is normal. And then, of course, some women, it's a whole lot earlier because of chemotherapy, pelvic radiation, medication, or surgery. And we see that even in the 20s or 30s sometimes. So, before I get into the meat of this, I'm going to run through a few definitions for those women out there who are not on the average spectrum. So let's start with early menopause. So again, the average age of menopause in the United States is 51. And a woman who enters menopause between the ages of 40 and 45, it's still normal, but it does go under the heading of early menopause. Now, sometimes it's genetic um, and it can occur spontaneously in about three to five percent of women, but most early menopause is an induced menopause because of surgery or cancer treatments. Not the same as premature menopause. They're very often confused, but it's different. Early menopause, again, between the ages of 40 and 45 is still considered to be normal, but premature menopause occurs before the age of 40. And it can be because of genetic reasons, um, and in fact, is in most cases. But a lot of times, it because it's because of an autoimmune disease, or again, because of surgery or cancer treatments. And then there's something called primary ovarian insufficiency, or POI. And primary insufficiency is kind of like premature menopause, except it's temporary. It's not permanent. It's when the ovaries temporarily wind down before the age of 40. And uh, and when we see this, sometimes women will have menopausal symptoms and have low hormone levels for a while, but then ovarian activity kicks in again. So why is it? Why is it that some women enter menopause and others are still getting their period at 55? Well, the main thing that influences all of this and when you go through menopause, it's genetics. I mean, if your mom and older sister were still using tampons in their mid-50s, there's a good chance you will too. And your ethnicity may also be a factor. There are some studies, and it's not consistent in every study, but there are some studies that, that suggest that Hispanic American and Black American women tend to enter menopause earlier than Caucasian American and Japanese women. And it doesn't have to do with what they eat or anything like that. Again, it's the, it's the genetic factor. But putting genetics aside, menopause tends to occur earlier in smokers, of course, because there's nothing good about smoking. Women with autoimmune disease, such as hypothyroidism, rheumatoid arthritis, or type 1 diabetes, also tend to enter menopause on the early side. And inexplicably, I can't explain this one, but studies show that women that work the night shift for years 
also tend to enter menopause early. So let's talk about hysterectomy for a second. Hysterectomy is removal of the uterus, and it does not put you into menopause if your ovaries were not removed. But having said that, we do know that women who have a hysterectomy, who have their uterus removed and don't go into menopause because they still have their ovaries, tend to enter menopause a little earlier than someone who has not had a hysterectomy. The feeling is maybe there's a compromise in in, uh, blood supply to the ovaries. Not quite sure why all this happens, but it is something that has been um, seen. So, you know, people are always asking me, well, is there a way to like stave off menopause? What if you don't want to go through early? You want to go through late. And a lot of times it's from women who are hoping to retain their fertility as long as possible. Well, obviously don't smoke. Don't work the night shift for starters. Um, being overweight is associated with a later menopause. Not telling you that you should be overweight, but that is an association maybe because of the estrogen that people make who, uh, who are overweight. Uh, interestingly, higher socioeconomic level in drinking alcohol, which don't necessarily go together, also also tends to lead to a later menopause. Taking birth control pills is a factor. And that makes sense because when you're taking birth control pills, it's kind of like putting your ovaries on a vacation while the pill supplies your hormones. But once again, it really, in most cases, comes down to genetics and you can't do anything about your genetics. And contrary to popular belief, the age at which you started menstruating does not determine when you stop, which seems like totally unfair. If you started getting your periods early, it seems like you should get to stop getting your periods early, but you know, life isn't fair. So practically speaking, your adult reproductive life goes into, is divided into three phases. Premenopause starts with puberty and it continues until perimenopause. So a 15 year old is considered to be in premenopause. And then there's perimenopause, that lovely time leading up to menopause when your hormones start to fluctuate and periods are totally unpredictably irregular. And perimenopause is such a special time. It gets its own podcast. I'm not going to get into the details of that now, other than to say that perimenopause can last for weeks or months or years, but it is officially over when a menstruating woman has been without a period for 12 months. And by the way, women who have an induced menopause, like women who have their ovaries removed, they don't go through perimenopause. They go right from premenopause to postmenopause. And postmenopause, of course, is life after you enter menopause and you are postmenopause until you die. So I think you're getting the picture now. Perimenopause and menopause can start in your 40s and 50s, and it's not always obvious what's going on. So if you're 43 years old and your periods are no longer regular, perimenopause is definitely one possibility, but it's not the only possibility. Is your weight gain a consequence of menopause or is your thyroid out of whack? Are you having irregular periods because of fluctuating hormones or are your periods out of whack because of stress or illness or medication? Is your vulvar itching because you're dry Or maybe it's because you have a skin condition, such as lichen sclerosis. Are you moody because your hormones are tanking? Or because you just lost your job, your husband's having an affair, your kid just came home with another piercing, and you're dealing with a 20-pound weight gain? Or all of the above. So it's complicated because thyroid problems, pituitary issues, medications, medical conditions, they're all on the list. And by the way, so is pregnancy. I just want to mention that during perimenopause, fertility diminishes, but again, low fertility is not the same as no fertility. So that lack of periods may be because you're pregnant and contraception may still be on your agenda. And also hot flashes can be caused by lots of conditions other than menopause, which 
is another podcast. So it seems like if you're trying to figure out if you're in perimenopause or menopause, that you should just measure your hormone levels. But in most cases, it's either going to mislead you or it's just not necessary. So let me explain. During perimenopause, hormone levels fluctuate widely. And I can't tell you how many times a woman will come to me and tell me she thinks she's in perimenopause, but hey, her internist did a hormone test and told her she was not. Well, in most cases, the woman's right and her internist was wrong. And here's why. Because typically, the hormone levels that are measured are FSH and estradiol. So FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone, is a hormone that's normally produced by your pituitary gland at the base of your brain. And FSH stimulates the production of estrogen in the ovaries. And once a woman has entered menopause and her estrogen is gone, her FSH levels are really high. So that's useful. But the problem is that during perimenopause, FSH levels fluctuate like crazy. One day they can be low, the next day really high. Estradiol uh, is the main estrogen produced by the ovaries. And likewise, these estradiol levels rise and fall all the time, unpredictably during perimenopause. And even in a young woman, I mean, they rise and fall during a normal menstrual cycle. So testing your blood hormone levels to check for pituitary function and estrogen levels just isn't helpful because it will be an accurate measure of your hormones at 2 p.m. on Tuesday when you get your blood drawn, but it might be completely different one week later. One random level is just not an indication of the total picture. Now, having said that, sometimes serial blood levels are helpful, like if I do them every couple of weeks, but again, not definitive. And Keep in mind, if you're taking birth control pills or using any other kind of contraception, like, you know, patch or a ring that contains estrogen, any blood test is completely worthless because it's the pill talking, not your own ovaries. So let's talk about those home menopause tests because, you know, home pregnancy tests, okay, I get it. Those work. That's worthwhile. But don't waste your money on those home menopause tests because they are worthless. These over-the-counter tests basically measure FSH in your urine, and they claim to be 99% accurate. And that's true. They're 99% accurate in detecting the presence of FSH. But FSH rises after a woman enters menopause, also goes up every time a woman ovulates. And during menopause, it fluctuates all over the place. So unless you have an FSH that's sky high and stays sky high, it's really not useful. Save your money. And don't get me started on saliva testing. Using spit to measure hormone levels finally started to fall out of favor around 10 years ago when awareness increased that saliva was just simply not a valid way to diagnose menopause or individualized hormone therapy. And I thought I was through explaining to patients that the hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars that they'd spent on saliva analysis was just wasted. But, you know, even today, every once in a while, I get a patient who comes in and she hands me pages of saliva testing, thinking it's going to be useful to me and I'm going to want to enter it into her medical record. And then she gets really upset when I say, you know, this really is not helpful. I really don't need to see these salivary hormone levels. They don't correlate to your blood vest, to your blood levels. Sometimes they vary depending on your diet or the time of your day, you know, it's morning or afternoon, so many variables. And it's just, it's not helpful. And in fact, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists came out back in, way back in 2005, stating that these hormone levels in saliva are not biologically meaningful. They're not recommended. So 
save your money, save your saliva. And in fact, if you have someone who wants to use your saliva to measure hormone levels, that's a big red flag that this person is not a true expert. I know this sounds really old school, but the best way for me to know if someone is in perimenopause or menopause is to talk to you, to listen to your story. The best indicator that you're no longer making estrogen is how you feel. I mean, it's not rocket science to figure out when a woman tells me her last period was two years ago, her vagina is like the Sahara Desert, and she has nonstop hot flashes, that she is in menopause. I don't need a blood test to prove that a 55-year-old woman who hasn't had a period in three years has low estrogen. I always say it's kind of like getting a pregnancy test for someone who's in labor and then being surprised that it's positive. Now, I do need to eliminate other medical problems that might cause similar signs like thyroid problems. But again, in most cases, I can make my diagnosis based on age and symptoms. And yeah, there are situations in which a blood test is helpful. But only if it's interpreted by someone like you know me or another menopause expert who puts that blood work in the context of the bigger picture. So symptoms, let's talk about symptoms for a second. You know, 20% of women have no symptoms. Those women are not listening to this podcast. Hot flashes are the number one symptom that women associate with menopause. And while they're not welcome, at least they're expected. But there are dozens of symptoms and consequences associated with menopause that you may not be expecting, which I'm going to get to in my other podcasts. I'm not going to go through all of them right now, but I am going to mention what I call the big four. The big four are the symptoms that when women come to our clinic, the reason that 90% of them walk in the door is because of hot flashes. They can't get a decent night's sleep. They're having pain with sex. And they just cannot lose the weight. So what you're going to learn in my subsequent podcasts is that hot flashes are at least partially responsible for insomnia and weight gain. And if you're someone who likes to read in addition to listening to podcasts, um, I, I will be covering painful intercourse uh, in, in future podcasts, but I really cover it in detail in my book, Slip Sliding Weight, Turning Back the Clock on Your Vagina, a gynecologist guide to limiting postmenopause dryness and pain. And hot flashes are covered in great detail in hot flash hell. But Strap in because in subsequent podcasts, I am going to cover it all. I'm going to be interviewing some great guests and taking your questions. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker. Thank you for joining me. You will find lots more information in my inside information books available on amazon.com and follow Francie as she navigates her way through vaginal dryness, hot flashes, and pretty much every menopausal symptom you can think of. Through the night, I fall.